All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan trade season is starting to pick up some steam. It's percolating. It is percolating. That's a great word, Justin. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. How's it going this morning, Jeff? It's percolating. It's warming up. It's revving. It's, uh, how do we describe this uh, the, this time as we expect for uh, another big shoe to drop, hopefully sooner than later? Good morning. How are you guys doing today? We are well. What is the big shoe to drop? If it is not Jacob Chikrin, then I cannot hear that Timo name Meyer. or see that name again. Okay, okay, fine. Timo <laughs> Meyer is acceptable. We'll let that happen. Is that what's happening first? Uh, great question. Um, I think that I think that there's some teams that are looking because like, we're expecting players like Brock Besser to go to. Usually, the way these things work are, you know, you wait for the the big players to go, and then everyone goes to their Plan B. So maybe a Timo Meyer goes first, and then Plan B is someone like Brock Besser, and then maybe they turn their attention there. I think there's a couple of wild cards. So like I think we all expect Vladislav Gavrikov maybe sooner than later now that he's being held out to get to get traded, um, defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um. I think the big wild card here is can anyone get anything done with Eric Carlson? And uh, although it makes for great sports talk radio and great water cooler chatter and gets markets like Edmonton all excited with visions of Eric Carlson completing these Carlson to Hoffman-esque passes from back in the day, it seems as if it's probably, I don't know, odds are 70-30 maybe that it doesn't happen. This is a big ask of the San Jose Sharks to to eat that much uh, salary for the next four seasons. So um, there's a couple of wild cards in here, some good conversation fodder, but when you really break down, you know, who's going to go and where they're going to go, I, I think we're, I'm going to whisper this, Salish, so you don't have to hear the name again. I think we're expecting Chick. No. And I think we're also <laughs> looking at a player like Timo Meyer as well. Timo, Timo Meyer might be the big fish out of, out of all of this. I mean, there's others, whether it's, you know, Barbashev out of St. Louis, James Van Riemsdyk out of Philadelphia. Like, we all know the names by now, mm-hmm. the, the players we expect to go. A couple of defensemen, McCabe and Murphy um, with the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe, you know, Nick Bonino, Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, Dmitry Kulikov, comma, again. Um, <laughs> so there's some, you know, names that we're used to and a couple of names that maybe we're not used to hearing in the open market. Okay, let's run through a few of those names. And I want to start with Eric Carlson because Eric Carlson, like, if I, you know, if I want to see anything accomplished (laughs) at the deadline, it's Eric Carlson going to a contender and probably Edmonton more specifically. Although Toronto would be nice too. Uh, But with with Carlson, I wonder, because it's out there, it's being talked about, there are probably proposals and discussions that are pretty close to, you know, legitimate trades that we could see happen. Can it stay amicable if San Jose is just like, nah, yeah, we don't really want to eat that money. Like, can 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 how long can Carl? Like, it's real, you know, happy face, brave face, right? It, he's kind of just you know, whatever happens, happens. But I do want to play for uh, a team that's going to compete. Can this yep. stay kind? I think so. I think that, uh, I mean, a lot of that rests on the player. Um, and as much as I'm sure Carlson, and we know that Carlson wants to go to a winner, he's talked about this openly. You know, I just want to win at this point of my career. I'm 32 years old. I'm not getting any younger, and I haven't won a Stanley Cup. Thank you very much. Um, but remember, remember Roberto Luongo so many years ago when it seemed next to impossible for Vancouver to trade him? What was his line? My contract sucks. Well, your contract sucks if you want to get traded, but your contract's a really healthy one. And I think that's a situation that Eric Carlson finds himself in. You know, he has the no-move clause, 
but really you can look at the the contract status and you can look at the the money owed etc and say he doesn't need a no move clause like that contract is its own no move clause now a couple of people i talked to on the weekend had an interesting take on this about the san jose sharks so if san jose is going to move carlson they're going to have to eat money Okay, any team that he's going to go to is a Stanley Cup contender, and those teams don't have a lot of cap space. Now, you can introduce a third team uh, to help facilitate this, and that's very true, but generally, the team you're trading Eric Carlson to doesn't have a lot of cap space, so you're going to have to eat, I don't know, 45% of it, Justin, I would imagine. So that's 45% of 11.5 for the remainder of this year and the next four years. That is an enormous ask of a team. Just to, And I know Minnesota has done it you know, with their buyouts of, of Suter and Parisi, I know, but they're in salary cap jail here, and there's only so much that Bill Guerin can do. The take that people had for me over the weekend was the San Jose Sharks have this trade deadline and maybe a window in the offseason as well with another team, maybe the Florida Panthers, to do this and get out from under the weight of the Eric Carlson contract. There's no guarantee he's going to play like this again. Like this season, I don't want to say it's come out of nowhere, Justin, because we've seen Eric Carlson play like this before. But as I mentioned on the podcast, it's like at the beginning of the season, Eric Carlson went to Lourdes and bathed in holy water and healed <laughs> up, and he's playing like he's 25 years old again. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, the, the Eric Carlson that we all knew and loved. So the only way to get out from under the weight of, you know, at least half of the deal is to make this deal now. And if you're Mike Greer... Maybe you're saying to yourself, much like Arizona is looking at the arena and saying, like, look, we're doing this on the cheap until the new rink is built and we're just accumulating assets. If you're the San Jose Sharks and Mike Curry is saying, okay, when are we looking you know, for this rebuild to, to, to get done? And when are we looking for the next version of you know, the San Jose Sharks that consistently contend for a playoff spot? Is it two years? Is it three years? Could it be four years? then you have some wiggle room and you say, you know what, we can deal with, you know, salary cap jail for a few years. We need to get out from under the weight of this contract. Otherwise, in San Jose, Eric Carlson is kind of piling up empty calorie points. It's great, and you might want a Norris Trophy for it, but what does it do for the San Jose Sharks who are on this, you know, spiral to the bottom here? So this might be their one of two chances guaranteed that Carlson's going to, you know, be maximizing his value in a trade. So maybe the time to do it is now. But again, I'll circle back to that idea. That is a huge ask. You know, take 50% of 11.5, stick that on your salary cap for the next four seasons. No one's done that. Like that is like the the Burns thing is one and that was 33% over three. This is, you know, this is half of this contract. This is like six and a half million dollars or six million bucks for the next four years. Stick that on your salary cap. I know the cap is going up and that makes it more palatable. But this one's tough. Like, this may be the most difficult deal to make if they can make it in the NHL, this trade deadline. So the other shark that's uh, circling the waters in terms of the trade deadline is Timo Meyer. Yes. The Leafs mm-hmm. have, uh, are one of four teams. Seems like that's significant interest in him. What's the asking price? Is that when we hear the Matthew Nyes or first-round pick mm-hmm. going out the door? And, and yes. how much interest is interest in terms of the Maple Leafs? They're interested. I think that I keep going back to that Kyle Dubas press conference. 
And something that someone told me afterwards, um, because Caldew was very much played it down. Like, uh, this is the opposite. Remember when Brian Burke took over in Toronto, and the first thing he said is, we're going to get John Tavares. We're going to get the first overall pick. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, and Garth Snow was you know, giggling in his office in, on Long Island somewhere. Um, this is the opposite of that. This is Kyle Dubas saying, like, I'm just trying to temper expectations here. We might not do anything other than just a little bit of tinkering, etc. Don't expect the monster move. Let's all remember one thing. And, you know, in, in this role, I've, I've learned this over the past couple of years. Lying is a very strong word, but I'm going to use it anyway. One of the hardest things to do around this time of year in the NHL or around any trade deadline is figure out who's lying to you. Um, and who's, you know, downplaying expectations, right? This is Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons. Here's the truth and then the truth. Um, and, you know, general managers sort of traffic in that on a consistent basis. And I understand why. And I think we all understand why. Um, they don't want to, you know, devalue or, or diminish their position on, on any player. But as someone told me on the weekend, you know, the, one of the things that Kyle Dubas, you know, still doesn't really have on his resume because Kyle Dubas has made, you know, big picks. Kyle Dubas has made huge signings. He's made, you know, trades for first rounders. But what he doesn't have on his resume yet is the big, enormous blockbuster deal. Mm. And managers have, you know, boxes that they check. And that's one thing that Kyle Dubas still doesn't have. And he has a need for someone like Timo Meyer in his lineup. Now, I could make the argument that there's 31 other teams that could all make mm-hmm. the argument what they need Timo Meyer. Big, strong, scores, like all of a good regular season, built for a for a playoff run as well. Like Meyer, like I've described him before, like he is your new age power forward. Like he's not Cam Neely, but he's what we now think of when we think of the term power forward in the NHL. So, I mean, there's a number of teams around this. We think of New Jersey certainly um, they believe that they might be, you know, too small for uh, for an extended playoff run. They're highly skilled, no doubt about that. But do they have enough size in the lineup for seven game series and extended runs? You know, the Carolina Hurricanes are in on every single big player that hits the marketplace. Don Waddell is at least inquiring, and now with Max Pacioretty's num- uh, number on the uh, on LTIR, they have a lot of room to play with. Could he look nice? I still think though that Carolina might be looking for a second line center, but you know, Carolina maybe they're looking at both. Hmm. Maybe they end up getting both. Um, That's scary. So it's not as if the Maple Leafs, I know, right? And they're already elite. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as if the Maple Leafs are the only ones in this conversation. There are very much others. And then there is always the surprise team that nobody sees coming. But uh, make no mistake about it. Like T- Timo Meyer, I know everyone's, you know, gaga about Jacob Chikrin and where is he going to go and all that. Timo Meyer, <clears throat> excuse me, may be the, the big fish this year come trade deadline. And I don't expect them to last until March 3rd. I think there's, there's enough teams that eventually a team's going to say, like, this is our offer. This is our best offer. Don't shop this. Take it or leave it. Well, I think there's a couple avenues the Leafs can explore in lieu of, yeah, trading a first-round pick or Matthew Nyes for a rental. Because, you know, we just talked about Eric Carlson. The appetite to, you know, eat a little salary may be there for teams because, yeah, the cap's going up and there's some non-competitive teams out there. There's non-competitive teams with great assets, Eric Carlson and Jacob Chikrin uh, being two of them. So if they want to make that blockbuster deal, why not try to get someone on retained salary that's going to be there for longer than one uh, trade deadline. I think that's very, very important for the Maple Leafs to pursue those options. 
But I also yep. think waiting around could benefit this team. I mean, we've heard rumblings about Patrick Kane. Well, it was only really New York and Toronto for Patrick Kane. And I feel like not everyone feels this way, but there is more of a want to be a Maple Leaf right now. I feel like that's something that's happened in the last few, five years or so where guys like Mark Giordano really see the benefit of landing with the Maple Leafs, staying with the Maple Leafs, being a Maple Leaf. I think if they wait around and wait for someone to make it pretty clear when the dust settles a little bit that, hey, I kind of rather be a Maple Leaf than anything else, it could really benefit this team. It might be a gamble, but do you see any benefit to Kyle Dubas kind of just welcoming in those who might want to be here more than someone who can go pretty much anywhere and will be highly sought after? You know, con- considering how many con- considering how many consecutive playoff disappointments there have been, I don't know that if you're Kyle Dubas, you want to wait for the dust to settle. You know, like if you're if you're if you're swinging for you know Timo Meyer, for example, maybe you also look at someone like Nick Bonino. If you're the uh, if if you're if you're Kyle Dubas, um, and I also think that there'll be other teams that are looking for for Nick Benino come trade deadline time. He is with the San Jose Sharks and and also on an expiring contract. The Giordano thing was like that was just a matter of, and we asked him about this um, when we sat down with him yesterday. You know, wh- why Toronto? There were other teams. You know, we talked about the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, having interest in, in Mark Giordano previous. Uh, Giordano himself mentioned the New York Rangers, which was a, a new one on us. We hadn't heard mm. that one before. Um, but that was, and he said, like, look, you know, my wife and I said, you know, we could probably get more money here, more money there, more money in different locations. But what's the value of having, you know, our kids, you know, around their grandparents? What's the value of our kids, you know, growing up and, and going to school in a city where we're going to spend the rest of our lives? Like, why not do this now? Like, what is the money equivalent? Like, how much money is it going to take to keep us away from that so that was the, the measurement for the Giordano's and that's always it's different for every player like at a certain point of your career you're chasing you know every nickel under every cushion and then other uh at a, another, another place in your career other things become more valuable to you so I think why that's sort of specific to the to the Giordano uh situation I'll, I'll give you one like could you not see like to, to your point Justin about you know, players determining like this is where I want to be. The name that, as, as you were as you were saying that to me, the name that popped out to me is Max Domi. Now I don't know that there's interest from the Maple Leafs on Max Domi. Uh, I've had conversations with people who have said this could be a fit, specifically when you consider that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have to face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they got a lot of nasty players in their lineup and players that aren't fun to play against, whether it's Patrick Maroon or Brandon Hagel or Corey Perry. You know, what is your answer for that? And traditionally, the Maple Leafs' answer has been our skill will overcome, and that has always been the belief within the organization. But if you believe that, you know, you need someone with a little bit more snarl in your lineup, and some skill and some foot speed to go with it and is a Toronto story um, and has, you know, would have a nameplate that a lot of Maple Leafs fans <laughs> would recognize. Um, maybe mm-hmm. Max Domi is your guy, but but outside of him, I'm I'm not sure that I really see, you know, the, the local boy goes home, maybe Ryan O'Reilly to, to some extent, but that would probably as well involve the St. Louis Blues retaining on his salary for the remainder of this season. Those might be the only two that, that really jump out uh, at me. I don't think that Andreas Athanasiu would, would fit that bill for the for the Maple Leafs speed serve with the Chicago Blackhawks, who played his junior with Barry in the London Knights. So don't know that I necessarily see that. And I, I also still do think that, you know, this 
time around a trade deadline, as much as Kyle Dubas has downplayed it and really smartly so, I I think I I think behind the scenes here he's he's trying to be really aggressive and and try to land a big fish. Yes, sharks are fish. We found out on the podcast, by the way, last week. Yeah, yeah I guess it's wishful thinking, but I'm looking at, okay, so Patrick Kane's situation. Like, I feel like there's a great deal of responsibility on the Chicago Blackhawks to make right by Patrick Kane. And if so, Patrick Kane shows up and says, I'm only going to the Maple Leafs, make it happen. Well, that's that's yeah. a loophole that, or that's certainly a benefit that the Maple Leafs can tackle to make sure that they yeah. keep, you know, Matthew Nyes in the organization, but also get that winger and I and I guess I want to ask you about that responsibility with the Chicago Blackhawks and Patrick Kane. Sure. Like, how important is it that they find a really adequate, suitable, palatable uh, conclusion to this chapter with Patrick Kane? Like, can they can they base or do they basically have to surrender here, surrender their leverage just to make sure that they make right by the player in this moment? He holds all the cards. He has the no move. Pat, you know, I had an interesting conversation with someone on the weekend who's uh, who, who's pretty close to that situation, and this person said to me, "Jeff, here's what you need to figure out. You need to figure out where Patrick Kane's heart is right now." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, listen, for his entire career, his heart has been in Chicago. Like he had visions of you know breaking all the the points records. And sorry, I'm dusting you here, Stan Makita, and it's Patrick Kane time. Um, and then riding off to the sunset and retiring as a Chicago Blackhawk. This summer changed everything." And then part of his heart moved to New York with the Rangers. And then the Tarasenko deal happened, and we all saw the Patrick Kane quotes about how disappointed he seemed to be and how disappointed he was that the Rangers went in that direction and not in his direction. And the question this person said to me is, your job now, Merrick, is to try to figure out where Patrick Kane's heart is. And you're right. Like, he controls this, Justin. You're bang on. Like, this is a situation where Kane, you know, through his representation, Pat Brisson, goes to Chicago and Kyle Davidson and says, my client will only go to this team. If you want to make the move, that's where you have to do it. Otherwise, he's playing out the season in Chicago and he's an unrestricted free agent. This is not unlike what, and again, another Pat Brisson client, this is not unlike what the Philadelphia Flyers went through with Claude Giroux. You know, and essentially the agent and the player said, I'm only willing to go to Philadelphia. That decision was made at the Vegas All-Star game. That's where they'll go, go to Florida, rather. That's the that's the decision that my client has made, and that's the only place that I'm willing to go. Now, as a manager, that really handcuffs you because when the player will only go to one spot, your leverage in making a trade is gone, and you just have to sort of try to cobble together the best possible deal you can make. I assure you, as you can understand, that is not an enviable position for Kyle Davidson to be in but then again you know asking a couple of you know future Hall of Famers and Blackhawks legends to waive their no trade clause to help a rebuild when they both thought they were going to retire with Chicago Blackhawks that's a pretty difficult spot to be in too well I'm sure tonight they'll be playing with a little bit more oomph in front of the Toronto Maple Leafs crowd because maybe they want to be here mm. long-term. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you joining us this morning. Looking forward to listening to the interview with Gio on 32 Thoughts Podcast, yeah. which I believe comes out this morning. Yep, at any time now. So All right. To your favorite podcatcher. All right, thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks, Ailish. Thanks, Justin. Jeff Merrick hosts the Jeff Merrick Show and, of course, hosts the 32 Thoughts Podcast when they sat down with Giordano, and you'll get to... Listen to that when you're done listening to us, okay? The Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Big time putting Kane slash Domi slash Taves in the Wake and Rake tonight. We'll stay tuned for that.
Send that in at 59590 if you have picks for that. But it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, so we talked about how no Super Bowl halftime performers get paid. It kind of feels shocking to be put on that big stage and put all that work in to not get paid. When other, the dancers and such, did you know they make minimum wage? Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, okay, I didn't know if that was with you or if I kind of blacked out there. But we did talk about that. Okay. Mm. So Rihanna performs at the Super Bowl halftime. One point or one million, 118 million people watched her show. Only 113 million people watched the actual football game. Nonetheless, you wonder how much this actually benefits the artist. Well, on Spotify, her music streaming after the 15-minute show increased by more than 640%. Wow. In the United States after her halftime show. So you're looking to find value for your halftime performance. 640% increase in streaming after her 15-minute show. I got to be honest. I watched it on YouTube last night and uttered the words, you know, I could probably go to a Rihanna concert. Like they got me. They got me. See, Rihanna go. got me. And you were part of the streaming. I'm one. I'm part of that statistic. Okay. I'm ready to spend money on Rihanna. It's pretty cool that you can go look at how much each song's streaming performance went up as well. The song she started with, Blank Better Have My Money, went mm-hmm. up more than 2,600%. Diamonds went up over 1,400%. So people were loving the halftime show. All right. And we contribute to that with our lead-in to each block. And that will certainly help with paying for her new child. 640% increase on Spotify. Also, that, that was it, is it Fenty? That, that Fenty little Beauty. product placement she had during that probably helps things as well. Certainly She'll does. be all right. All right. On the other side of the break, we're talking to Leafs legend, former Maple Leafs captain, Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star, and, and the Maple Leafs all-time points leader. It's Matt Sundin joining us on the heels of the tribute to Boreas Salming in Sweden this past weekend. We'll talk about that and about this current Maple Leafs team and his thoughts and outlook on the future. That's Matt Sundin on the other side of the break. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin Cuthbert, and Ailish Forfar. Now, there are pinch-me moments every now and then doing this job. Aren't there, Ailish? Every day. Every day? No, it's not every day. We get, like... This is more than that. The athlete of my childhood on the phone? I don't think that's a stretch. Oh. And we've got one of those pinch-me moments right now. Uh, on the line is Matt Sundin, former Maple Leafs captain, hockey Hall of Famer, all-star in the Maple Leafs all-time points leader. Matt's, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? Everything is good. We're doing well as as well. Uh, and you just had a birthday, I understand. How does Matt Sundin yes, celebrate a birthday? <laughs> we stopped... Uh... I don't know. You guys are younger, but at my age, you stopped <laughs> celebrating about 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I've stopped. Everything celebrating is too. good, you know. But but yeah. pe- people oh, make, did, people yeah. make you celebrate, right? Like no one was making you celebrate it. 
Exactly, and and especially if you have small children. So my kids sang for me when I woke up. I got a little bit of a cake and a small gift, so it was a very nice birthday. There you go. That's the acceptable birthday for people who don't want to celebrate their birthdays anymore. <laughs> what what I wonder, Matt? It's like what excites you? Like what drives you? What gets you out of bed every morning? Now, what do you look forward to on a day to day basis? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of things. Obviously, life changes after a long hockey career. And um, the good things, you can uh, set your own agenda for the days. But I think once you have uh, three kids, and mine are young, you know, they're 10, 8, and 6. So they'll keep you busy during the days, weekends, and all that. Your your days are full. And um, obviously, this weekend, we had a fantastic uh, fundraising event for uh, the Boys Solming Foundation against the ALS uh, Maple Leafs alumni were here. So we, we had a busy weekend, so we're still kind of tired this week after that. So, yes, you had the tribute to Boris Salming this weekend in Sweden. Um, a celebration, it looked like, of his life, um, especially getting back onto the ice to be a part of, you know, the roots of who he is. Tell me about the emotions just of that weekend, and, and, and hopefully there were some, you know, really positive moments of, of unity as well. I know some former Maple Leafs were there, the former Maple Leafs captains and, and teammates that had played with him. Just the emotions around that moment um, to celebrate the player that he was. Yeah. So, you know, it was a fantastic event. I think we ended up raising a million dollars U.S. for this game Mm -hmm. uh, to the foundation. Fantastic job by the Toronto Maple Leafs alumni to bringing a a team over, both with the Boreas former teammates, Daryl and Tiger and uh, guys that play with him, but also younger generations that had, you know, obviously in Canada, there's so many in my generation that had Boreas and Idol and, and influenced them as hockey players. Uh, Brynäs, Boreas' uh, home team that he played for in the, in the Swedish Elite League for a couple of years, hosted the event. They have an arena that it was a sellout. Uh, uh, obviously, Swedish Trikroner legends put up their best team with Lidstrom and Sederberg and Forsberg. So from Sweden, pretty much every great player the last you know, 20 plus years were there to support this cause. And then also we had one of the biggest TV channels, TV4 made a, spent the whole weekend in Gävle, which is Brina's hometown, a small town about an hour and a half north of Stockholm. Uh, that really is a hockey town that supported the whole event, which was, a, so it's a fantastic event. And in Sweden, not like Canada, North America, where they haven't been really good at these kind of events and fundraising and, but I think because it was Boris Salming, what he meant for the hockey community in Sweden, but also in Canada, it, it was possible to to get all these uh, different parties together to to create this event. So it's been a, it was really great to see all the all the former Maple Leafs players as well. So very thankful for the for the weekend we had. It looks like over $1.3 million raised for that ALS Foundation. So as you mentioned, an incredible weekend in terms of the charitable aspect as well. Um, I want to ask you about what it's like to have those former Leaf captains specifically, you know, you, Sittler, Rick Vive, all there. What that group means to each other because you share a really special bond that not many other (laughs) Toronto Maple Leafs players have had the opportunity or NHL players in general. What that trio or, or what that group of you guys means to each other and what Boreas meant to you as well. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, over the years when I played in uh, in Toronto, Daryl Sitter was always a great supporter to me. 
Uh, Rick Vive has always been there and very, very connected to the Maple Leafs after their careers. And I think all three of us uh, have the utmost respect for what Borea was as a hockey player, but maybe even more, you know, what Borea was off the ice to all of us in terms of the a great friend, uh, always looking after his teammates and, and uh, such a great values that he brought, brought to, I think that brought to all three of us off the ice as well. So it was a very emotional in that way for, for uh, Borea, for, uh, for Daryl and Rick, obviously that played with Borea and me that had Borea as a mentor for, for a long time in, in uh, during my career and, and after my career. Uh, one of the great successes, I think, of the Brendan Shanahan era here with the Toronto Maple Leafs is connecting the current with the past. I mean, that that there was a lot of talk about, you know, how things changed when he came and how how sort of bridges were mended and, and relationships were fostered again. And not that, you know, uh, Borea Salming's death, like we wouldn't have seen the so, so many come back and honor Borea at Scotiabank Arena and with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But were you reflecting at all when, you know, Borea's celebration and the, the times you've been back in Toronto about how important it has been to sort of treat history the way it should be with this Maple Leafs organization? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think in any franchise, no matter no matter what sport it is, I think the history that that the teams or the, the franchises have from the past, it's so important to connect with the future. I think it brings so many values on the table and and i think the maple leafs and the hockey hall of fame in november when bory was in 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 town for that weekend did a fantastic job um celebrating bory salman's career for him his family in those two games for that weekend that bory got to get on the ice with the maple leaf fans and during that uh, hall of fame game we had that, that was very, very special. I'm so glad that I got a chance to be part of that. And I, I think that really helps the the current team also to understand the, the players that came through, the values they brought, and will help the team progress into the future too. So very important. Anything in particular stand out about the way the current Maple Leafs uh, absorbed, treated that moment? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, you look at that game that, that – uh, and I'm not sure who the who the opponent was, but but Maple Leafs put all their Swedish players out for the face-off for that game, and and so did the opponent team, uh, and so I, I think that was a, that's a really standout. And but it's so important, and I think when you're a player playing right now, it was the same in my era. You know, you appreciate so much to see the former players, many of them you had as your idols growing up. And when they come back for different events, uh, whether it's a charity event or in, in this case for Boris Salming, it really uh, puts a lot of heart into the, into the logo you have on your chest and, and the proudness you get for the, for the franchise you represent. So I think those moments are very important for current teams. And, and uh, it's really great that the Maple Leafs tie the history together with the, with the future and the, and the current team. We're chatting with Maple Leafs legend Matt Sundin. Um... So the Leafs are currently a really good team. Clearly, they are one of the league's best team teams. They're trying to prove that they can be one of the league's best teams in the postseason. Uh, but when you reflect on your career and the great teams that you faced, what what kind of separated good teams that were really good and, and could play at a high level uh, with the great ones, the special ones, the ones that could do damage in the postseason, could overcome adversity? What 
kind of signified or what was the divide between good and great? <laughs> it's the magic question, right? And, and uh, you know, uh, you look at in the past too, you have teams obviously like St. Louis when they won, you know, halfway through the season, they were one of the bottom teams in the league. And once the season was over, they were, they were hoisting the Stanley Cup. I think those those teams might be unique. They come around once in a while, but I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs the past few years have built a a team that are young. Like you said, they have one of the best teams in the league right now. And I think for me, it's just experience and and understanding what it takes to do in the playoffs what you're doing in the regular season. So for me, I think it's it's thinking wrong if you think you have to do something different. I think you have to do the same thing once the pressure is a little bit higher, the pace of the game goes up a little bit. There's a little more physical. There's a little less room on the ice. So, and, and that's a learning experience, I think. So, you know, but these times that the Leafs have made it into playoffs, you look at the last few years and played hard fought first rounds. I think this experience of that and keep coming back will make them grow and eventually get to the tipping point where they, where they um, excel and win in the playoffs. Speaking of things that come around once in a while, um, Austin Matthews seems to be maybe a generational talent that we're getting a chance to watch. He's coming off a Hart Trophy season with the Maple Leafs and an NHL leader already in his young career. Um, I'm not sure how much of a pulse you're keeping on the Maple Leafs over the last couple of years, um, but I'm sure it was hard to ignore the fame and fanfare that came around Austin Matthews. Um, what do you think separates him from others in this league? <laughs> Well, I think the Maple Leafs are, are very fortunate. You look at the at the forwards in the National Hockey League today, you know, obviously you have McDavid there, but I mean, Austin Matthews is right up there with him. And I would say Mitch Marner, I mean, those three guys, you know, are, are some of the top. There's a few, I mean, McKinnon in, in Colorado, there's others too, but there the Maple Leafs have the really top of that it is in the world right now. And then you also have Tavares, you have Nylander, and other players. So, um, you know, the best players in the league, they're obviously, they're, they are special. And, and if you're McDavid or Austin Matthews, you do have a shot. You have a sense of the game. You have all the different tools to be able to excel under the, under the I mean, they're competing against the best in the world, but they're still able to produce um, play at it the highest level game in and game out month in and month out and, and dominate. So uh, it's a fantastic time. I think for, for the lead fans, uh, the next years here, when you have so young, also these players that the Maple Leafs carry right now. Uh, and it, so it's the future is very bright and they'll have a great chance also to get better every year because of the guys who are so young. Somebody that has gotten better um, significantly, it seems like this season, is a Swedish guy himself, William Nylander. He's in that core four of young talent that we mentioned with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is he a big celebrity in Sweden? Like, you know, here he's a, he's kind of a hard to read. He's cool guy, Willie. He doesn't really get out there too much other than his fun fashion fits. But what's it like? Does, does he get stopped at the airport? Is he just another blonde Swedish guy that blends in? Well, he hasn't, uh, he's not like Boris Salming yet, but you know, that's, that's, uh, uh, a lot to expect, but you know, he'll get there, you know, he's, he's so early in his career and, um, he's already been part of a, I think he was part of the world championship team that won a few years back for team Sweden. And 
there's Olympic Games coming up, so it's also tied and connected to the national team, just like just like Canada when these top players go out and play it at the international level in Olympics or a World Cup or a, a World Championship where they exceed and, and win championships at that level. So the future is, is for uh, Nylander as well, and he's already performing at a higher level this year, I think, than other years. And uh, so he is on a great path for to have a great career. Who do you or people that you come into contact with in Sweden really, really love watching league-wide in the NHL? And I wonder, like, is there a team too? Like, clearly, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, the Edmonton Oilers are a team that a lot of people have circled. The Maple Leafs are a very exciting team too. I would maybe guess that whatever team Eric Carlson is traded to might be the one that Swedes have circled as particularly interesting. But is there is there a team? Is there like someone who really stands out that uh, Swedes really gravitate to uh, when watching and consuming the NHL from overseas? Well, you know what? Uh, it's happened a lot since I came to the National Hockey League where in Sweden you can really see uh, the NHL at, at, and follow it at a regular basis. Nowadays, I would say there's no difference almost between Sweden and the fans for the National Hockey League, just like it is in Canada or North America. And, and uh, obviously, when you're in Sweden, you tend to follow the Swedish players maybe a little bit more. And right now, we have a lot of great players overseas, maybe a little more defensemen right now. Obviously, Ulmark also goaltender in Boston is off to great Great season this year, but Victor Hedman obviously has been very a standout the last few years. You look at the, the what what he's done with the Lightning, uh, Eric Carlson, the season he's having, uh, Elias Pettersson. So obviously you tend to look at the Swedish players how they do. Nylander with the Maple Leafs, and if there's any team, I think people in Sweden, the Toronto Maple Leafs is probably the most popular franchise. I think because of the. Swedes have been there in the past, but also uh, the Swedes are representing the Maple Leafs today. Uh, it would be only human to look back on like parts of your life and wonder if, you know, you could change something. If you go back in time, you can make something a little bit different. Listen, <laughs> Matt, there's an intramural softball championship from university that I still think about that we lost. Like there's got to be something that when you look back on your career, it's, it bugs you a little bit. I don't know if it haunts you, but it bugs you the wish that you wish could be just a little bit different from your storied NHL career. <laughs> well, you know, we I was fortunate enough we we went twice to the conference finals and I mean, uh, being a Toronto Maple Leafs into the final four, you know, on a home ice playing at the at the arena on home ice and you drive down from home down to the rink for a game in, you know, end of May, early June and all the the suits and baseries are having their suits on and then the Maple Leaf jersey on top of that. <laughs> that's a fantastic memories that I will carry with me the rest of my life. And then, you know, there, there's points, you know, the Carolina series, when we were in the conference finals last time, we tied it up late in, in uh, as a game six and we ended up losing that one in overtime, but it's always, uh, we've been just slightly off. I think uh, in, in terms of reaching the, the Stanley Cup finals, fine line, so there's not really, I wouldn't say there's any regrets. Uh, people ask me, do you, do you regret you never won the Stanley Cup? But uh, I would never change uh, the 13 years I had with the Toronto Maple Leafs and being the captain there and all those playoffs experiences that I hope this team, current team, will experience this year and the upcoming years, long run into the playoffs. Those are memories that sticks with me 
And I wouldn't change that for a, for anything else. I've been, I've been very fortunate what I got out of my career, 18 years from the National Hockey League and, and you know, winning an Olympic gold in, in Torino and, and other things. So I have no regrets, but you always, obviously those uh, final four games, it would have been great to get into the finals just for the city of Toronto and for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. We're going to see some uh, veteran players at the trade deadline, maybe have an opportunity to finish their career elsewhere. It's tough when you, you've played somewhere for a long time and, and you have given a lot to a franchise. Do you have advice for someone like a Patrick Kane or John to, uh, Jonathan Taves that <laughs> might be going elsewhere and, and might have to you know start a new chapter of their hockey journey? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough question. I, I think... Uh, it's all how, how committed you are, I think, to the city and the team and, and what your perspective is to, to go to the team and obviously try to win a championship. So I, I think it's really up to each and, and every one of them individually mm-hmm. how they ask that they're obviously their future. What do I want to accomplish for the next few years? And, you know, um, everybody has different situations with family and so, so on. So, um, you know, it, it's really tough to give an advice. I think it's all where where your own heart is and and um, what you want to accomplish within the, 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 that year and, and the next coming years, I guess. Jason Spezza was recently called maybe the secret weapon to the Maple Leafs front office, uh, transitioning this past <laughs> summer to a managerial spot. You ever have, I know you got, you said three kids under 10. It might be a little bit difficult for that, but that ever <laughs> intrigue you? Did you ever think, hey, maybe I should work in a front office one day? <laughs> Well, you should never say never, right? Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, you know, I spent uh, almost 20 years in North America and obviously in Canada for all those years playing. I feel when I come to Toronto, it's, it feels like coming home. Even though I'm born and raised in Sweden, I, I feel I felt more comfortable with the Maple Leafs alumni than with the sweet Tricona legends in, in that game, you know, putting on the blue and white jersey. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we're open for everything, and, and obviously I'm following everything that happens in the National Hockey League, and especially the Toronto Maple Leafs here going forward. All right. Uh, that's that's not a no, and we'll uh, we'll keep that in <laughs> mind. Looking forward to maybe managerial uh, mats. This was a lot of fun, Mats. Uh, hopefully we can do it down the line, maybe when we're teeing up a Maple Leafs playoff run. We look forward to that, and we look forward to uh, everything that's in store for you, perhaps, down the line. Thanks again, and we'll uh, hopefully chat soon. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Matt Sundin, legend around these parts. He didn't shut it down. No, I kind of think there was a little interest there. I think he might be interested. <clears throat> hint, hint, those listening. Matt's Maybe you saw the glowing, the glowing things that have been said about Jason Spatz and be like, I could do a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. No, he's such a great guy. Like, that was just... I know this weekend was really special. If you had an opportunity to look at the sites from um, the Jersey retirement, retiring, the whole fundraiser that was happening in in Sweden. It was great to see a bunch of Leafs, former Leafs obviously going to be a part of this. And it just you just think back at that Hall of Fame weekend that we had here with Borja Salming just before he passed. It was just it was so special. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping everyone got a chance to see what the celebration was like there in Sweden because as big as he is as a celebrity here and was a part of this franchise, will be forever. I can't even imagine 
what it was like to be a Swedish athlete even, not even a hockey player, just a Swedish athlete to see how the barriers are broken to come over to North America and to be a face of a franchise and have to really earn that. Like, it wasn't easy. So it was great to see all that. Um, I'm sure some of the Leafs have been asked about it too. I know Pierre Engvall said some nice things about it um, when he got a chance to watch. So take a look online if you want to see some of that. And I like the perspective you gave on, you know, on the position that Patrick Kane's been or in right now. I mean, clearly it's been much documented or long been documented what happened near the end of Matt Sundin's career here mm-hmm. in Toronto. But it's not as simple as like, oh, you should want to do this. You should want to play for this team. You should want to leave Chicago. It's, it's not that not, simple. It's not that easy. He's got a family. Patrick Kane has started a family. There's a lot that goes into it. Hopefully, you know, like the fan side of it. We talk about it. We bang the drum all the time. We want to see mm-hmm. it because this is what entertains us. This is what we choose to spend our free time doing, of course. So we want to see it maximized. But it's not all that simple. And it's uh, maybe not all that simple for Patrick Kane right now. We're going to see Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Max Domi. Who else is this? There's some other people. Jake that, McCabe. Jake McCabe. Andreas Athanasiu. There is a lot of trade bait There's on the ice tonight. a full-on liquidation sale right now prepared by the Chicago Blackhawks. You know that they come into Scotiabank Arena already with a little pep in their step to play the Maple Leafs. But imagine knowing that you could be circled to be traded to this team across the ice in front of all of the executives and managerial staff, even Matt Sundin tuning in from afar. You don't think you're going to you know lay the, it all on the line tonight? You know the Kyles look to each other. You want to play for this team that's fighting. The Kyles fighting. a few boxes apart. They're <laughs> yeah. going to cross paths in the hallway up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They will. They definitely will. Hopefully they have a long conversation centered around the important parts of the Chicago Blackhawks roster. You know that the cameras will be dialed on Kyle Dubas tonight in the press box. The second he pulls out his phone, it's going to be like, oh, the Kyles are dogging. The what train do you, What do you think happened. he was doing? Remember the Chikrin stuff? It was like he was just kind of, he wasn't well, taking sh- a photo. I think I think he keeps. He wasn't scrolling, but he was, it was like he was maybe streaming another game or something. I don't know. The Chikrin stuff, well, that happened during the Saturday night's game, right? And everybody was ready to get to- dialed into 32 thoughts during the panel. Mm-hmm. We still, we still don't really. I thought the LA Kings, when we came on Monday morning after the Super Bowl and after the Dustin Brown ceremony, that it was going to happen. And we're still twiddling still our thumbs. What is the holdup with Chikrin? Well, I was I was listening to American Friedman yesterday on 32 Thoughts, which you should, of course. And there's another episode. They come so fast, it's actually hard to yeah, those guys keep never up stop, with all of them. Eh? Um, but, they, but I think Brant Clark was sort of at the center of it. And mm-hmm. they alluded to, okay, maybe it's not going to work with Brant Clark, but maybe there's another piece that they couldn't agree on and it fell apart. And I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't want to get their their words twisted, either Jeff's or Elliot's. But there was something that wasn't necessarily Chikrin or wasn't necessarily the key part of the return mm. that made it all fall apart. And it seems like I don't know is is uh, is Billy Armstrong being too perfect on this because is he it's been so it's it? been so oh. long. Like I don't know. Just it's eventually you got to pull the trigger here because that trade value, as we talked about with the Raptors, will diminish eventually. The part of Jacob Chikrin, which is particularly alluring, is that he's around for a couple years on a reasonable deal. He should be on a playoff team this year, and if he's not, I feel like Arizona hasn't made the right decision. I'm ready to end the saga, though, okay? So, yeah. Next week, when we talk to Jeff Merrick on Wednesday, better be wrapping this thing up. Um, speaking of trades, speaking of additions, the Toronto Raptors with the Jakob Pertle steal of the century... 
Jakob Pertl, everybody's favorite Valentine. Steal of the century. <laughs> our, the, our perspective has changed Maybe a the bit. most prolific trade in Raptors history. The thing that changes it all. It might be after last night. We're going to talk to Katie Eindl on the other side of the break. NBA writer, Dime, Slam Magazine, and Yahoo Sports Canada. Also headed to Utah for NBA All-Star this weekend. Wow. So we'll round up all of that and look forward to Pascal, who's also headed there as well. Katie Heindel on the other side of the break.